Welcome to the Lifehouse Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. And on that note, would you join with me this morning, church, and let's pray. God, I thank you so much that we get to be here in your house. Lord, that we get to celebrate you and the love that you have for us. Lord, I pray this morning that you would make me your vessel. Lord, that you would pour out your words through me this morning. Lord, that you would inspire us, that you would encourage us, that your word would move us to be different at the end of this morning than we are at the beginning. God, we pray that you would have your way, that your word would speak life into people. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Fantastic. You guys can grab your seats. Thank you so much. Um, for those who don't know much about me, I, seem, I feel like I'm up here a lot for someone who doesn't do Sunday mornings. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm department leader over our Life Kids on Fridays, and I get the wonderful privilege of sharing God's Word with kids from our community uh, every single week uh, with our team. And uh, just to start off this morning, because I spend at least 40 weeks of the year speaking to kids who are 5 to 10-year-olds, and I spend usually one Sunday in the year speaking to you guys, who are clearly not five to ten-year-olds, or at least I think most of you aren't. I want to encourage you in some of the things that five to ten-year-olds do, just to make me feel a little bit more comfortable this morning. Is that okay, church? Is that okay? So, uh, in kids' ministry, uh, if the kids uh, hear something that's funny, they laugh out loud ridiculously, even when they have no idea what you're talking about. Can you do that this morning? That was a good start. That was a good start. Um, if, if the message is starting to go a bit too long and you're getting a bit fidgety, like they start moving around in their seat, they just, they just get up and walk out and go to the toilet. Um, they start moving around, getting a bit edgy, like the really dramatic kind of movie-style yawn. Oh, is this over yet? Um, so any of that kind of stuff, that would really help me this morning. Uh, one, of the things, one of the things the kids do really, really well is when they've lost concentration, they just start rolling around on the floor. <laughs> now, I do not recommend that this morning because uh, everyone's probably going to look at you and not hear what God wants to say. <laughs> uh, but I want to encourage you this morning from God's Word. I've got something that God has placed in my heart that I believe He wants uh, me to serve up for you this morning. And uh, to start with, I want to share with you uh, something from my childhood. In 1996, I know, for some of you that was long before you were born, and for some of us it feels like yesterday, but unfortunately it's a very long time ago. Uh, In 1996, there was an album released, a music album that made it to number 40 on the Billboard Top Contemporary Music Charts. And I remember this album because it's the first album I remember us having in our house as Christian music when we started coming to this church as a kid. I remember having this dusty CD that I dug out of the collection. So for those young people in the house, you couldn't get Spotify, you couldn't go to YouTube, you had to go to a shop, an actual shop, and buy a CD. Yeah? And it's got this cool thing where you can open it up and you could even learn the lyrics along with the songs because it's got this little like fold-out pamphlet inside that has the words to the song. Does anyone remember these things? Yeah, good. 
Good. I remember I was probably, I don't know, three or four years old when we started coming to this church, and I remember coming along, and I was in uh, Sunday school, and we would sit in here in the church for the first part of the service, and then we'd head out um, to the transportable building, and I would have people like Gloria Bradkey and Elizabeth Cameron teaching me God's Word, and that we would get to spend the first part of the service in here for worship before we head out. And I remember some of those songs that we would sing because they'd stand out. The words would get stuck in your head. And in the middle of the week, you'd start singing these songs and thinking, I reckon that's caught in. But this particular song stands out as one of the defining songs for my life. I want to share with you from this lovely CD and the pack on the inside the lyrics to one of these songs. And Peter's going to have them up on the screen because... To fit all the words in the booklet, they're microscopic, and I can't read that. (laughs) The song is called God is in the House. It says, As for me, God came and found me. As for me, he took me home. As for me, he gave me a family, and I'll never walk alone. In my life, I'm soaked in blessing, and in heaven there's a great reward. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And if anyone who remembers it, it finishes with that trumpet line. (laughs) As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And I remember when that song came out and we had this CD and we would put it on in a CD player in the lounge room and have it playing through our house. And those lyrics repeating over, as for me, God found me. As for me, he took me home. He's given me a family here in this house. You know, it was through songs like this, growing up in this house, that developed my love for God and my love for people serving in his house. And this morning, I want to speak about me and my house. I want to share with you around serving in God's house. I want to start from a place, though, that serving only works if it comes from love. Serving only works if it comes from love. From a love for God and who He is and for what He's done for you personally and the love for people that He develops in us. I don't know about you, but naturally in and of ourselves, it can be really hard to love other people. But God wants to birth that inside of us that he would help us and equip us to reach out and to love others. This is what I love about the Life Kids team. They passionately love God and have a growing walk with him. They love the kids in practical ways that see them find Jesus. I am preparing this message, and I think this quote's going to be up on the screen. I came across a commentary that made this statement. It says, For love is the only genuine principle where all acceptable service of God can spring. So as we look at serving this morning and what service and loving upon people looks like, I want to encourage us that comes from love. It comes from God's love for us and then the love that he gives us for those around and about us. Serving comes from loving God and loving people, the very mission and heart of this church, to love God, to love people, walking each step with Christ. You know, I don't know if you've seen, some people are still, I reckon it's the Hanson family, because I can see Murray's up the back behind the, behind the camera. 
have the Lifehouse Team shirts. Have you ever seen those around the place, the black ones? I don't know if you've ever paid much attention to what's written on them. But it says, we, let me get it right, we live to love and we love to serve. Yeah, that's the heart of this house. We live to love because that's what God has purposed us to do. He's called us to love and we love serving. Whatever it is, whatever it looks like. I mean, you think about this morning, someone put these chairs out for you to sit in. Someone vacuumed the carpet so that it wasn't a mess. We live to love and we love to serve. So in my years of serving on teams in this house, and I haven't got time to go through the number of teams and the different things that I've done in the time that I've been here, but I've discovered some truths about serving in God's house that I want to share with you this morning. So... Bronwyn, unfortunately, was rossed on for coordinating this morning and gets to deal with the guy who brings props. So, can you please bring the first one up for us? Thank you, Bronwyn. Yeah, let's give her a clap. Fantastic. Thank you. Now, we need to correct the record. Some people say that Coke is the best drink in the world. Some people say that coffee is the best drink in the world. I disagree with both of those people because the best drink in the world that will be served in fine china on fancy silver trays when I get to heaven will be tea. Yes. All the tea drinkers in the house said amen. This is a collection of tea and a couple of people who I'm friends with, they have tea drawers in the house. You know, coffee, you just have some pods or something. I don't know, some sachets. I don't know. Tea has a whole drawer, has a collection of things. This is a, a very, very small part of Jess Austin's collection from her house, one of our team leaders in Life Kids. Uh, Jody also has a drawer full of tea. And one of the things that I have to do when I go to their house is make a choice. There's a drawer full of tea. Yeah, you know, you've seen the drawer. There is a drawer full of tea, and you have to go through this process of choosing. Is it going to be chai? Who put that in there? I'm not drinking that. <laughs> ah, there we go. So English breakfast is my default. So I'll open the lids, smell them, see which one. But we have to make a choice. And the first thing I want to share with you this morning, the first lesson I have learned about serving, is that serving is a choice. And just like when I turn up at their house and I have to go through the tea drawer and sniff some of them, try and work out which one I'm going to have, don't think I'm weird. You sniff coffee. And all coffee sniffs the same. The first thing I know about serving is that it's a choice. It comes from a choice. We choose to serve. We live to love and we love to serve. We choose who we will serve. We choose either to contribute or to consume. We either serve God or we serve ourselves. And this is exactly where the Israelites were at near the end of Joshua's life in the Old Testament. And it's going to come up on the screen. Joshua 24, verse 15. And this is Joshua standing there speaking to the whole Israelite community as he's heading towards the end of his life. And they've been trekking through the desert and they're heading to the promised land and they've got all of these different things that they've gone through. And he stands there and he says, If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river 
or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. It was interesting, in one of the commentaries I read, it talked about how Joshua may not at this point in his life have had physical family in terms of children that he was passing this message on to. But he was declaring in front of the house of Israel that he was going to serve the Lord. One of the commentaries I read from Matthew Henry, and I think it'll be up on the screen, says, let us resolve upon a life of serious godliness, not merely because we know no other way, but because really upon search we find no better that there is no better place I'd rather be than be found in the house of God and serving Him. It's not because I had nothing else to do on a Sunday morning. It's not because at the end of a long week at work, I got nothing to do on a Friday night and I'd love to come and hang out with 80 screaming children. It's because I've searched and found there is no better place that I'd rather be than in the house of God. You know, over my years in serving in church, there's definitely been times when it's a choice. There's been weeks when I'm tired, grumpy, stuff's been going on at work, stressed, busy, a million reasons why I don't want to be involved. It can be busy and hectic. Up the school year, there's a lot going on, you've got Christmas coming and there's a million things to get organized and it comes at that really stressful, difficult time. I remember back in 2013, I was the festival director and it was the first year that we actually put on the whole festival out in the car park. And so I was responsible for the entire Christmas kind of kit and caboodle, everything from go to woe, from planning meetings to, to team launch nights to everything you could possibly imagine that happened in that year for Christmas. I was involved in and leading teams and driving the vision. I remember I got to the beginning of the following year and... I started full-time work, and my priorities started to shift. But also, the enemy started to plant a seed of bitterness in my heart. My serving had started to become about me. And I was choosing at that point, you know what? I reckon they got this. I'm going to sit back and watch. And it was not from a sense of, yeah, I'm busy and I could make a thousand excuses why I can't be involved. But it was more from a sense of, I reckon I'm pretty important. You know what? I reckon they can't do this without me. And I know you would never get to that point. But for me, it was that point of kind of, let's see how they go. You've ever seen that before? They're like, "Mm, you don't want my help? Well, good luck. Well, I remember coming to the festival that following year and sitting through one of the nights, watching the drama and the whole production that the whole team had put on together. And I remember right there, sitting over this side, watching the end of that drama and the message, how God convicted me and spoke to me. That I had chosen to serve for the wrong reasons and then chosen not to serve also for the wrong reasons. He convicted me and he said, look at your church family. Look at these people who have been practicing and rehearsing and putting everything together that are up on the platform. They do it out of a love for me. 
out of a love for me. Choose to love me. Serving God is out of my love for him. God said to me, it's not about you. Choose to follow me. And you know, from then on, I made a commitment that I was going to continue to choose God's house, to serve in his house, that as often as I can, I choose to serve. And it doesn't matter where in God's house it is that I'm serving. I am committed to showing up and helping out. You know, the following year, I went and signed up, I think it was the car park team, and was standing out in the blaring sun and then the pouring rain, out in the car park, ushering people to come and find a car park as they drove into the festival. But I was out there with an umbrella or a hat, depending on what the weather was doing, with a big smile on my face because I was serving in the house of my God. And it didn't matter whether I had a platform or whether I was out in the car park in the horrible weather, I was serving God out of my love for Him not out of an obligation or out of what I could get out of it. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, this morning, we could spend a whole chunk of this morning just unpacking this passage from Joshua 24, uh, but I've got four more points that I'd like to go through this morning. I want to give you a heads up as well. Normally when I speak, I only speak once a year, so I don't know whether that means I've got nothing to talk about and it takes a whole year to come up with something, or when I come and speak to you, I have so, end up having so much to talk about that uh, I have never finished on time every time I've spoken. So normally when I prepare the message, I have three points and I kind of pull it all together. And I'm like, oh, this is not going to go for half an hour. I'm used to speaking to kids. It goes for 10 minutes. Uh, and then I always finish 10 minutes over time in church. So this week I decided this was going to be different. Instead of giving you three points that finish 10 minutes late, uh, we've got five points And we're going to finish on time. Yeah? (laughs) So to keep us moving along, we could spend more time in Joshua 24, but I've got a couple of points that I want to pull out, um, and I encourage you to go into this verse deeper. It's not my house without me. Joshua isn't encouraging, hey, you know what? Kids, family, husbands, wives, it'd be good for you to go and serve. Like, you should get involved. I want to get you out of the house. Like, sign you up. Let's get serving. It's not my house without me. Joshua's choosing it's him and his house. It's also not me without my house. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to slave away. I'm going to be here every single day doing all of this work while they get to rest at home or they're not involved and they're not loving God. It's my house with me. And the final one is, it's first me and then my house. Lead those around you in serving. Don't wait for others to choose, but be the person in your family, in your household that says, you know what, I'm going to follow God and I reckon he's awesome and you should follow too. Be the encouragement to those around you. Serving is a choice. You have to look at the past reasons why you can't and, sorry, you have to look past the reasons why you can't and choose to serve. I want to honour and encourage someone in our church who I think does this brilliantly, and his name is Howard Long. As one of the older members in our congregation, I hope he doesn't mind me phrasing it this way, he's deaf, has a hearing aid, and sometimes I think it works, and sometimes I think he totally missed what I said to him. Um, 
he's not great on his feet because of his age and some of the things like health problems. He's got a million and one reasons why he shouldn't serve. He shouldn't be connected within the life of the church beyond turning up on a Sunday. But do you know what? Each and every week, he makes a choice that on Wednesday nights, I come around to his house and pick him up. He sits in the car with me as we go and visit our kids. And he speaks life into me. He speaks words of wisdom and encouragement to me. He chooses, despite all of the excuses he could have, to serve in this house. Beyond that, I know that on Friday nights, he takes time out and he prays while Life Kids is on, while youth is on, and he's praying for us. He's praying for the teams. He's praying for the kids. He's praying for those families. He is spending time storming heaven for us. He prays for Pastor Josh. He prays for the leadership of our church. Someone who could so easily say the choice is so much easier to say, you know what, I'm past my use-by date and I'm not contributing any of this house. One final encouragement on choosing to serve, and it's from 1 Peter 5 verse 2. It says, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. You know what? When I get to that age, I want to be as eager as Howard is. That even if nobody's watching, I'm storming heaven's gates in prayer for this house. That if I can find a way that I can sit beside someone and encourage them and impart wisdom to them, that I'd be the kind of person who's still doing that. When everybody says that maybe you're getting too old, that I would find a way to choose to serve in God's house. This leads us to the next lesson that I want to share about serving. Number two, and I'm going to ask for service, please. Thank you. Yeah, let's give Brahman a clap. You can leave that just there. It'd be perfect. Thank you. So this next thing that I have about serving is very kindly donated by the wonderful Laura Allen. And I am told that you make the best of this in all of Murray Bridge. So you're potentially going to have a lot of people placing orders at the end of this. So I'll take 10% for your business. It is. Oh, it's still warm. Ah, oh, lovely. It is a loaf of bread. Yeah, it smells like bread. <laughs> A lovely loaf of bread. And why I've got this here is to remind me that uh, bread is really difficult to make. Hence why I was very grateful that Laura volunteered to make it uh, instead of me having to make it. Because, I don't know if you've ever made bread before, but it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. It needs kneading. And then you've got to leave it to sit for it to prove. And then you've got to knead it some more. And then it's got to prove some more. And it's very time consuming. And all I want is a piece of bread. But it reminds me of the second thing that I know about serving. And that is that serving returns an eternal reward. Thankfully, Laura didn't have to wait for eternity for her bread to prove and be able to cook it. But there's this idea of we had to wait to get there. And serving in God's house earns eternal rewards, returns eternal rewards. 
Jesus says about this in Matthew 6, verses 19 and 21. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Serving stores up treasures in heaven. Now, after more than 10 years in kids' ministry, there is very little that is glorious about serving God in his house sometimes. I remember this particular time we had taken the kids, uh, we'd hired a couple of really large buses, taken a bunch of the kids to Adelaide to go for an excursion trip. I can't remember, we've been to a few places. It may have been Inflatable World or Bounce or I don't know, something like that. We did this whole trip, we've loaded all the kids, a couple of buses all the way down to Adelaide. We're on the way back and say about Mount Barker, one of the kids at the back of the bus, oh, he comes to one of the leaders, you know what, I'm just... I don't feel very well, like my tummy's a bit sore, I don't, mm. I'm like, oh, you'll be all right, you're all right, it's only Mount Barker, like we're nearly home, you'll be okay, like keep breathing, you'll be all right, anyway, for some reason, whoever the leaders were at the time, we decided it was a great idea to keep the kid at the back of the bus, lesson learnt, don't do that again, uh, so, of course, they continue to just not feel that well. And we've, we've come kind of, you know, coming down the southeastern freeway. We've come over the hill and we, you know, you do good. Just, you'll be okay, you'll be okay. We're like, we can almost see the roof of the church down the end of the road, right? We're coming off the freeway. Oh, no, I don't feel so good. And next minute in the back row of the bus, what happens? The child projectile vomits down the aisle of the bus. And so, much like you did just then, but to a higher volume, the kids erupt into complete chaos because there's vomit rolling down the aisle of the bus and, oh, what's this on the floor? And stuff going everywhere. And like, oh, panic and chaos. All happening in that moment. Thankfully, we were close to Murray Bridge so we could just quickly drive to church, get everybody out, hose the bus out. And um, thankfully, the bus company didn't charge us extra for the vomit, so that was good. But it got me thinking about how so often in life we expect returns now. And if I wanted the returns that come from working with kids each and every week, uh, I don't know that I want vomit as a return. (laughs) It's not for the natural or the current rewards that we serve. If it was for that, all of us would have stopped serving long ago. In John 12, Jesus gives us a glimmer of what's to come. He says, if anyone serves me, let him follow me and where I am. There my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him, my father will honor. Now, God honors those who serve him. It's not about acknowledgement and honor here and now. There's a heavenly reward. And I don't know all the details of what heaven's going to look like, but I'm praying and believing that the kids and the families that our team influences every single week, that they would be in heaven because of the faithful generosity of this house, because of the people's lives that you interact with each and every day, that we would get to see them in heaven. It got me thinking, though, is this just pie in the sky when you die, or is there steak on the plate while we wait? And I'm going to go to the story of Zechariah from Luke chapter 1. I think gives us a really good glimmer at this. 
it says, It so happened that Zechariah was carrying out his priestly duties before God. He was working the shift assigned to his regiment. It came his one turn in life to enter the sanctuary of God and to burn incense. Zechariah is faithfully following what God had assigned him to do, the work that God had assigned for him, that it was his one chance, his one opportunity in life that God had now given him because he was there faithfully serving. It goes on and says, The congregation was gathered outside and praying outside the temple at the hour of incense offering. Howard Long in his shed on a Friday night. Unannounced, an angel of God appeared just to the right of the altar. Zachariah was paralyzed in fear. But the angel reassured him, Don't fear, Zachariah. Your prayer has been heard. Elizabeth, your wife, will bear a son. And not only you, many will delight in his birth. He'll achieve great stature with God. If you know the story, Zechariah's son is John the Baptist. That in the moment that Zechariah is standing in the house of God, serving, doing his assigned duty, rocking up when Jody sent out a planning center request. He's there and it's in the moment of him faithfully doing the job that was assigned that God speaks to him and gives him what he'd been praying for. And to me, it speaks of faithfully doing what God has called us to do. Choosing to follow Him. To serve for the eternal rewards. Serving may not give you the rewards that you think here and now, but we find blessing and favor in working through the gifts that God has given us. Can I ask Bromon to serve us, please? Now, does anyone know any backward people? A couple of glances to the person next to you. Are you sitting next to the most backwards person that you know? You know the person who does everything the opposite to how you think it should be done? All the normal people in the world do it this way, and there's that person that always does it backwards. Yeah? This is one of my pet hates in life, right? Okay? Yeah, I know. You're going to have a go at me now, aren't you? Tasha's on our team, it's okay. When you set the table, the fork goes where? On the left. The knife goes on the right. Good. So there are people, and I believe Tasha's probably wife on the right. What's the first thing that they do? Pick them up and swap them around the wrong way. It's backwards. Nobody should be doing that. It's designed, you can't like... Don't even get me started on how all that works. You can't cut the thing and move the... Then they start trying to cut with the fork and slice with the knife or I don't know. Weird things going on. But for me, it illustrates the next thing that I know about serving is that it is opposite. It's a bit backwards sometimes. That serving is opposite to the way of the world. The way the world works says, look out for yourself. Only give to those who can repay you those who can give you something. If you're a leader, hold it over those you lead. But this is not the way that the gospel works. In my work as a teacher, and now this year as I step out in a new adventure as a school principal at Karunda, I get this chance every day to choose service. It's the opposite of the way the world would think. 
the world says, you know, you're, you lead. You should be delegating all of those responsibilities. Like someone else should make you cups of tea. That would be good. And you should take on more rights and more authority. The higher you go in leadership, that you should have less responsibility and more authority. But this is actually the opposite of how Jesus models leadership. As we seek to serve those we lead, whether in our family, our ministry, in our business, in our work, we end up giving up our rights and options to serve those we lead. We give up the choices that make those that we serve alongside. The nature of servant leadership is that we're not in it for everything that we can get out of it, but we're here to serve, giving above and beyond what is expected. Jesus speaks about this to the disciples in Mark 10. He says, And when the ten heard that John and James were arguing about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom, Hey, Jesus, I want to be able to sit next to you. I'm going to sit at the most important spot at the table with my knife and fork around the right way. I want to sit right next to you. They're arguing about who's going to be the most important. And Jesus calls them to him. And he says to them, you know, those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be with you. Whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man, Jesus, did not come to serve, but to serve and to give his life for many. Jesus says to them, do you want to be great? Do you want your life to have meaning and purpose, to do something of value? Then serve. Do the opposite of the world. All right. Service, please. Thank you, everyone. Now, I had to explain to a couple of people what this is. Pastor Josh knows what this is, and I'm told on very good authority that Keith Bradkey knows exactly what this is. It is a sharpening rod for a knife. And uh, the idea of it, of course, is to sharpen the knife. Yes? Yeah. It makes me think of another lesson that I've learned about serving, and that is that it strengthens your spirit. Just like the sharpening rod against the knife strengthens the knife, it sharpens it and prepares it for what the knife is designed to do, that serving sharpens and strengthens our spirit. I don't know if you've ever found this. Maybe I, I'm looking at you. I can tell that you're holier than I am. I, just, I get this sense. Pastor Walter in particular, I can tell that you would be holier than I am. So you've probably never had this. But... Sometimes when I'm serving, maybe on a team, it's just, it can be hard work. Like, sometimes it would just be so much easier if there wasn't all these people on the team. (laughs) Just like, if they all, they have different ideas than me, they don't do it the way I think it should be done. They ask questions, which I think are obvious, and, oh... The times we're on a team and there's that one team member every single week who wants to keep telling you stories about their pet cat. Oh, goodness me. Sometimes serving would feel like it would be so much easier if it wasn't for all the people. But the whole point is 
that serving's not meant to be done alone. It's in the interactions we have on teams, serving together, that develops our character and strengthens us, just like the sharpening rod for the knife. In Proverbs 27, 17, you would have heard this before. It says, you use steel to sharpen steel, and one friend sharpens another. And I can honestly say that it's through the interactions that I've had in my life, serving on teams here in this house with volunteers who sometimes have very different ideas than I do, come from very different walks of life, that has shaped my character, has made me a better person, has helped me to follow Jesus. It's through the frustrations, the disagreements, and having to listen to cat stories, that God works to smooth off the rough edges in my life. But how do we keep going when things get tough and we want to quit? Well, it's through the Holy Spirit that empowers us. And Romans 7 verse 6 says this. We have been delivered from the law. We don't serve because we're under law. Having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. We don't serve in our own strength. We serve in the newness of the Holy Spirit. Not because we have to by law, but because we find that there is no better place to be than serving in God's house. I want to share with you a really quick quote that um, came across uh, online. Uh, Mitty Betcher had actually posted it a few months ago, and it's from Louis Giglio, and it's going to be up on the screen. It says, 99% of leadership is showing up. Not giving up, but showing up. In the end, talent, gifting... Calling, opportunity and potential are all outstripped by not giving up on the day when you want to. Faithfulness is exponentially compounded by the God who is faithful. I believe the fruit of today is inextricably linked to the resolve to show up in faith in the best and hardest seasons. I want to encourage you, maybe it feels like it's a bit rough when the knife first starts, it jags a bit sometimes on the sharpening rod. I want to encourage you, For someone this morning, don't give up. Don't walk out on God. He wants you to serve Him. He wants to shape you. He wants to change you and mold you to become more like Christ. Seek the support of those around you, the other volunteers, the pastors on our team, to support you if you're struggling. But don't stop serving in His house. All right. Service, please. Can we give Brahman a really massive hand? Thank you. I feel like in the planning meetings, I'm probably the person that the service coordinators like the least because I always have lots of things. Paper towel or kitchen paper, if you commonly call it that. Uh, This lives in my kitchen and it is a lifesaver. It is a miracle thing. Okay, If you get the good quality stuff, it holds together when it's wet. You can clean stuff. The whole idea of this is the paper gets sacrificed so that my floor doesn't get sacrificed, so that my hands don't get sacrificed. And it makes me think of the last point this morning about serving, is that serving is a selfless sacrifice. This paper gives up its life, effectively, when I use it to clean up mess so that I don't have to get the mess on me. Serving's not about us. It's about our love for God and His love for people. 
And I mentioned before, in the middle of my week, I go with Howard and we visit some of our Life Kids families. And in the middle of the week, there it's like stresses. My brain is mess from all the things that have been going on in that day alone, let alone everything else. I know often this is the same thought of many on our team that, oh, do I have to, go? like, oh, I've got to get in the car, I've got to go and pick up Howard, I've got to get the flyers, got to go to the door. Some of them won't be home. Like, it's hard work. And every week I'm like, oh, is this worth it? And then I get to the first house and they come bounding out the door full of life and enthusiasm because the Life Kids leader's here and we're here to tell you all about our week. And it's in the middle of that moment and it happens nearly every single week because I still haven't learned that I love it. Every single week that God reminds me it's not about you. It's when I stop thinking about me and my problems and all the things that I got to do and the dinner I got to cook and the things I got to pick up and the places I got to be, and I start thinking about you, that God changes my heart, changes my perspective, and gives me a reminder that my life's not mine, that I'm surrounded by encouraging people who encourage me, and I can be that to others. So serving is about shifting the focus from ourselves. It's selfless and focusing on others. And in a moment, I'm going to ask the music team, are going to come and lead us in a song, New Wine. And the first time that I heard this song was five years ago when I was preparing to leave Murraybridge High School. And I've been appointed as the, the deputy out at Duke. And I remember hearing the words of this song and God speaking into me because I was in that moment. I don't know if there are some people here today who you're in that moment of choice between just about stepping into a new role or you're just about to step into a new workplace. There's that moment of doubt after you've already signed up, after you've already packed the boxes. Is this where I should be? Should I just call it quits at the last moment? And the words of this song came across my mind. It says, make me your vessel. Make me an offering. Make me, Lord, whatever you want me to be. Because I came here. I started working at this place with nothing. I had no people. I had no idea what I was doing. And I had nothing. But you have given me so much. You have blessed me with friendships. You have blessed me with opportunities. Jesus, in this next season, bring new wine out of me. And I had the wonderful privilege a couple of weeks ago, at the end of the school year, to stand in front of my school community and host the very last assembly on the last day and look back over five years and I could stand there in front of them and oh, it's just like being at the assembly again stand there and say to my community it has been a privilege to serve through all the hard times, through all the difficult times, and yeah, every day I rock up and I get paid to go to work. I don't go to work if I don't get paid. But I choose every day to serve. To serve the people in my community, to love upon them. As we come towards the end, I want to encourage you, choose to serve. Open your heart to God and say, make me your vessel. Use me however you want me to be used. Encourage one another in the service that you're already doing. 
in the things that you're doing, loving upon other people. And maybe at the end of the service, go and speak with someone like Jody or May, who are great at connecting people into somewhere serving in this house. They will find a spot for you. There is a place for everybody in this house. There is room for you to serve in God's house. It could be setting up chairs, driving buses, praying for people, making food, visiting those in need, welcoming at the doors, leading a connect group, teaching kids about Jesus, serving on the house youth team. There are so many places that you could fit in God's house. Some of you know a little bit about me and my house, and you know my current situation. I've been waiting for years with countless delays about my house that still hasn't been built. In my current situation, I live in a caravan on a 40-degree day because my house isn't there yet. But this morning's message is about me and my house. It's not about my physical house. And I realized in preparing this message that while my house may not be there, this house is here. And that this, you, are my house. That for more than 25 years, each and every week, I have found some way of being here And you are here as a testimony to the faithful service of so many people over so many years because you are this house. You make this house. You are my house. Let's choose to serve God together. As we bring the message to a close, if you've been following along our five points this morning, they actually spell out an acrostic poem to help you remember. And we're going to have them come up one at a time on the screen. Things that we know about serving. Serving is a choice. It's a considered choice. We have to choose to serve. Serving returns eternal rewards. Serving is the opposite to the way of the world. It's not the way other people operate. It's what God calls us to. Serving strengthens your spirit. And serving is a selfless sacrifice. Serving is the cross. Jesus talks about take up your cross and follow me. It's serving him and loving people. That is that act of taking your cross and following him. But it's so much better than that. Because when I look at these five things that I know about serving and I look at it through the lens of the cross, that it's exactly what Jesus did for me that He chose to give up His place in heaven and take His cross to pay my punishment, to cover my sin. That He looked for the reward of having you in heaven for eternity to give up His short-term pain for a long-term gain. He did the opposite to the way the world thinks. In the natural, we don't get life from something that dies that He gave Himself and died that we might live. He gave His life and served through the cross to strengthen us. He gave up His Spirit that we could receive the Holy Spirit. And He served as the ultimate sacrifice to purchase our freedom. Jesus is the best example I have ever seen anywhere of service because He served through the cross for you. I want to encourage you with one more verse this morning. Would you stand to your feet?
And this wrecked me when I found this. So I'm praying I can believe it, read it to you this morning. Jesus served through the cross for you. Final passage I want to read in Hebrews 3, verses 1 to 6. It says, So my dear children, my dear Christian friends, companions in following this call to the heights, it is a high calling to serve and to love people. Take a good hard look at Jesus, what he did on the cross. He's the centerpiece of everything we believe, faithful in everything God gave him to do. It says Moses was also faithful, but Jesus gets far more honor, just as a builder is more valuable than a building any day. Every house has a builder, but the builder behind them all is God. Moses did a good job in God's house, but it was all servant work, getting things ready for what was to come. Christ as the son in charge of the house. This is the bit that gets me every time. Now, if we can only keep a firm grip on this bold confidence, where the house. This is me and my house that God uses broken, hurting people like us to serve Him, to love people. We are His house. He is building a house and He wants you in it. He wants you part of it. Wherever you come from, whatever walk of life you are in, God wants you in His house. Would you join with me and pray this morning? God, I thank you so much that you choose us to be servants in your house. God, I pray right now that you would speak through your spirit into each and every one of us. God, that we would find ways to serve, ways to love upon people. God, that we would choose to put you first. And God, just as we worship, I pray if there be anyone here this morning who is here for the first time, maybe hearing about Jesus who died for them, who chose to give up his life for them. Lord, that you would spark something in their heart, that they would make a choice to follow you today. They would go and speak to one of the pastors at the Connect Point. They would get prayer. That today would be the start of their amazing journey following you. So God, we pray, speak to us as we worship now. God, help us to pray the words of this song. Make me your vessel. Make me an offering, whatever you want me to be. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at life.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at Lifehouse. God's house, our home.